Good morning, folks. Welcome to this morning's Fife Property Show. We're going to be talking about letting up today. This is a landlord's specialist class. If you're an investor or a landlord, this is the program to watch. Uh, the key point today is, could rising inflation spell good news for landlords overall? Everyone's talking about inflation right now, and usually in negative terms. The current climate of rising prices is affecting us, uh, us all, but from filling up the car to doing the weekly shop. But there are plenty um, of news about tenants and buyers feeling the squeeze. And what about landlords? Are we just a proverbial person just to push to the side, Richard? <laughs> it does seem like that. Like, Hi, are, are we just different people? Uh, do we not exist? Are we alien, an alien race, landlords? You know, the, the people talk about us as if we are somebody separate, but we are, landlords are like everybody else. There's over 2 million landlords in the whole of Britain. Yeah, I mean, and I think just, I think the the, uh, the bad press around landlords, and I think everything that's changing now with the Scottish government and things, it, it does put, it does feel like landlords are put in a separate category. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, un, unjustly, I think, as well. I, you know, well, I'm not going to argue that principle. Most landlords will know that anyway and understand yeah. that, but being a landlord or an investor, I mean, reduced tax allowances, the rising interest rates are affecting monthly profits. Uh, you might be wondering whether buy to let is still a viable business. And I, yes, I will refer to it as monthly profits. Everybody has to make a profit to survive. It is not a bad word. Profit is to reinvest back in the business, to make sure your customers are looked after and make sure the business is sustainable in the long term. It's not for buying Ferraris and Lamborghinis. <laughs> We've done that show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Though, but that's what most that's what people outside of being a landlord or investor think that landlords and investors do. But most landlords and investors only have one or two properties at the very most. So how are they going to buy Lamborghinis and Ferraris on one or two properties? Uh, effectively, you're only making, if on a good day, you're around about, what, maybe a 1,000 to 2,000 pound in profit on each one? Yeah. So they're effectively only making another, what, three or 4,000 pound a year over and above the normal mainstream income for owning a couple of houses. So it's not exactly breaking the bank. Yeah, as, as a big misconception. And like you say, Jim, the average landlord investor has one or two properties and it's a top up to their income or to help them with their uh, retirement fund. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about the rising interest rates and the reduced tax allowances. Um, you might wonder first why to let it still viable. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to the end of the show and we'll decide that. And I'll give my summation, my conclusions to yeah. you as well, Richard. And you out there, you can give your summations and conclusions as well to this. Um, nonetheless, um, for today, um, it's nothing like when inflation hit 25% in the 1970s or when mortgage rates were at breached 15% in the 1990s. These numbers aren't very useful for making decisions now, though. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, there are some lessons to learn from the previous times of uncertainty, not least the growing your business and your income can be far more profitable than simply cutting your losses. As a, a lot of that, yeah. You want to make your rental portfolio thrive and give your passive income into in, passive income into retirement. Well, to be honest, it's never passive. You're not, you're not doing nothing for being a landlord because a yeah. landlord boots on the ground. You're managing the property. An investor is more like passive income. Yeah. Regardless of economic ups and downs, with that in mind, this is what we're going to talk about in today's show. Um, is it still a viable business? So, Richard, I mean, 
How does inflation affect our daily lives? Well, you, you see, Jim, just to touch on what you said there about simply cutting people, people cutting their losses. I mean, that is something I see repeatedly over the last uh, 18 months, at least. I've, I've seen that quite a lot. But yeah, how does inflation uh, affect our daily lives? I mean, none of us mind uh, our income increasing. Uh, and while we all accept prices don't say the same forever, um, inflation itself isn't a bad thing. Um, unless it reduces our spending power. And I think that's the important uh, thing there. The, the current energy and fuel crisis is making everything more expensive uh, to, to produce and to transport. Meanwhile, supply chains issues and the worldwide like green shortage and the high consumer demand are all pushing prices of goods and services. And we're all aware of that at the moment, or we should be <laughs> uh, at the moment. It's, it's, um, it's something that's really pushing everyone. Um, and in particular, obviously, we're going to talk about how it's affecting landlords today. Yeah. So this all boils down to the pound in your pocket being worth less every day. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what I mean by inflation, for example, if inflation is just a straightforward 10% and you're at the start of the year, by the time they get to the end of the year, if inflation is still at 10%, your pound will be now worth 90 pence. Yeah. So in other words, if you bought a pint of milk for a pound, you would be getting nine tenths of a milk by the end of the year with the same money. That's how inflation erodes your yeah. earning and your money. Um, so your money needs to work for you harder than ever before. And the same, which means uh, finding assets and uh, that have a history of high performance, uh, even with the Bank of England's interest rates uh, uh, due to cool the economy, it seems accounts currently only pay around half of what the inflation rate is. Um, so investors look elsewhere to grow their wealth. And that's why they choose the safety of the proven track record of property. Property. I've heard yeah. so many people come on to me and have a go at me about property. You're all going to, it's all coming home to roost and it, <laughs> you're all going to get it next year, big style, and it's all going to collapse and it's all going to, and it's like, I have no signs in the, in right now to suggest there's going to be some massive economic collapse. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no signs that show that. You show me something different and I don't want Montel Williams or whatever his name coming on and going, there's going to be an economic collapse. It's like, okay, where's the facts and figures to back that statement? That's what I want to know. What is the facts and figures that back up the statement that justify your rhetoric that you talk to yourself in your head about? Or is it just what you hear on the television and what the news is feeding you? The BBC? Yeah. Yeah, we covered that in the midweek show, Jim. It's a, it's a bit of a misconception and people are misled, I think, and without having the actual facts. And although, and we demonstrated that through the week with the stats and things that things are starting to slow down and things will level out, and, um, but we're probably going to full circle. Uh, it's not going to be as catastrophic as what everybody has led to believe. Um, do you think it's a bit like, I, I, do you think it's a bit like Trump says, you know, you know how Trump used to be the master of this. He used to come on and say things like, I am going to blow you off the face of the earth. The reality was he was never going to do that. Yeah. But because he was, he's intent, was so intense and he was so believable. The person that he was talking to on the other side of the on the other side of the world actually genuinely believed that he was yeah. going to blow them off the face of the earth. And they thought, I can't afford to have this happen. So it was almost like a, a you know a game of um, the will that weakens first strengthens the other. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of think I, I genuinely think that's what the Bank England's doing. I think the Bank England's actually getting a, giving us impression. I mean, I'll be honest. When the, when the GDP um, uh, for the last quarter was announced and it said it had gone down by 0.2% and everybody else ran about with their hands in the air, 
like Henny Penny. And like, the world's fault in it. It's gone down 2%, 0.2%. 2%, 0.2%. No, 2%, 0.2%. I'm like, geez, if I was a business, I'd be going, that's no bad considering there was yeah. an inflation coming and I've only gone down 0.2% in my sales. That's what I'd be sitting thinking to myself yeah. right now. 0.2% isn't that much in the scope of things. If you'd said 5%, I'm seriously <laughs> worried. But 0.2%, that's no anything to really write home about. And yet the news has been bombarded with this. We're in recession. It's like, oh, hold it, hold it. You just said a week ago that technically a recession is two successive quarters of negative growth. So we've only had one. So where does the statement we're in recession come from then? Because it's not justified to say it then. Yeah. But, but we're convinced that we're going in this. So let's go along that line. But can inflation uh, be that? And can... Can I tell you what? Can property in the rental market actually hedge your savings in times of recession? That's a good point as well. Remember, I've been in this for thirty years. Just going to say, Jim, and you've been in it long term. You've been in yeah. And most of the, I would say, hand on heart, at the time of recessions, it's property has always got me through it. The mm -hmm. two thousand and eight credit crunch. The, the thing I sailed through the two thousand and eight credit crunch was the fact that I'd invested so heavily in property. And rental income because most yeah. people needed a house to rent and therefore it was it was money it was it kept me going all the time that's all you need to make sure you just need to make sure you've got cash flow coming in every single time if you've got a high occupancy rate and you've got people renting property where's the what what, what does it matter if the prices go down it doesn't matter at all the only the only affects you if the prices go down if you're going to be selling or if you're going to be trying to refinance it makes no fundamental difference yeah i think that's the thing right now I still have a few properties with negative equity and from the credit crunch. Yeah. And I'm still making money with them. And I was just going to say that the thing I picked oh. up, <laughs> the most important thing that I picked up in what you said there, Jim, is the cash flow. And that's what's important. If you've got property providing a cash flow, when you come into times uh, like you've been in previously or potentially what we may face in the future, if you've got that cash flow, then you've got that security as well. It's the cash flow every single time. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the value of the property. The only effect on the value of the property is if the bank goes, by the way, your mortgage is just about to run out. You need to refinance it or find another product. And then you go, oh, my God, I've not got enough. I've got negative equity. But if you've got 10 or 15 years, like I've got, yeah. on these mortgages, it's like, this is a no-brainer. You just need to put a policy in place in order to make sure you've brought that down to a sustainable level on the basis that might, it might not actually grow. But if you're constantly investing in that property itself, even though it's a negative equity, and it's, it's generating cash flow every single time, generating profit every single year, and you've no intention of selling it, it makes no difference yeah. whether it's negative or not. It's neither here nor there. It's what it generates on a day-to-day -day basis and a yearly basis in terms of cash flow and profit. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, uh, let's look at... Um... Obviously, you say about mortgages and things there, a lot of uh, a lot of people will be wondering at the moment is obviously they're concerned about interest rates and things on mortgages. So let's look at how inflation does affect mortgage and debts. Can I just start by saying I love inflation when it comes to mortgages because <laughs> yeah, well, it's a debt destructor. Yeah. Think about this. You've borrowed money from the bank, maybe 100,000, and inflation's at 10%. Therefore, that 100,000 that you've borrowed is really only worth 90,000 in buying power yeah. at the end of the year. So the bank's money is actually eroding. They're lending to you. Think about that. Yeah. That's a big hitter. That's almost like compounding. That's a yes. similar situation to compounding, but you're compounding in the debt. 
you're actually going down the value of the debt because inflation is eroding that debt itself, even though you're not paying it off. That's a debt destructor inflation. Yeah. I love that idea. And then combined with compounding, boom. Yeah. That just blows my mind. That keeps me awake at night. And it doesn't keep me awake at night as in worrying. It keeps me awake at night. It's excited. Yeah. Like, wow. When you understand that concept. See, when I understood compounding for the first time ever, I just I sat up in the end of my end of my bed all night just thinking, I can't believe this. I can't yeah, believe how think, how things compound up. It's yeah. like when I yeah. when I read Think and Grow Rich for the first time, it just like blew my mind. I was like awake for a three days, solid. <laughs> just thinking about that, just thinking about the fact that what I, I just kind of believe that. How did I not know this before? How did I not understand the dynamics of how this wealth's created? And then once I understood that, it's just like wow, nothing could stop me from there. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about how this how how, how it affects yeah. debt. How does inflation affect mortgages and debt? Yeah. If you have cheap vibe to let mortgage ending soon, if you're looking to get on a mortgage on a rental property, rising interest rates means it's smaller loan to value offers. This is because the stress testing by the lenders required monthly rent income to be 145% of the mortgage repayment. Some of them are actually 125%. 25, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it depends on who the lender is and what their uh, criteria is, but it's 125 to 145% of the overall debt on the, on the mortgage repayments. However, what often gets missed is how inflation causes the value of the capital debt, as I'd said, to drop in real terms over time. Most buy-to-let mortgages are interest-only. So here's what happens to a £200,000 interest-only mortgage over its first 10 years at different inflation rates. This is this will be an example of what you just spoke about, yeah. Take this in. If you're watching right now or you're <laughs> tuning in right now, I suggest if you're listening to the podcast, get over to the YouTube channel and watch my lips. <laughs> Read my lips. <laughs> here's the campaign coming. Yeah. But here's the message, more than likely. At 0% inflation, the debt still has the same value in real terms of $200,000 or pounds. That's like dollars, because I, I, I watch a lot of the, American things. It's because we the dollars. I read a lot of American books and watch a lot of American things. So people are in dollars, euro. And I never, funny enough, I never actually read anything that says euros. It's always dollars and pounds. Dollars and pounds, yeah. stuff. Tells you where the real value of the money is. Um, at the Bank England uh, target inflation rate at 2%, the value of the debt in real terms drops to 100. This is, this is pretty angry. £200,000 over 10 years at 2% inflation rate of the, of the Bank of England's inflation rate over 10 years. If it's 2%, it dropped to the debt in real terms drops to £164,070. You have just made. Thirty-five thousand pounds. Thirty-five grand. By actually holding debt of two hundred thousand pounds over ten years, and, and real that's, terms, and that's down to inflation. At today's ten percent inflation rate, that's like this. You've got to blow you away. Yeah. It's like the value of the debt in real terms has just fallen to seventy-seven thousand one hundred nine pounds. Do you know when I read this example, I was actually like, "Is that right? Is that correct?" <laughs> so yeah. So people don't realise that the people have actually now. I'm no advocating run out there and get yourself debt. No. The debt that I acquire is debt that makes money for me. Debt makes considerably more money 
than what I'm borrowing the debt at. So in other words, I'm making 15%, but I'm borrowing at 5%. So I'm making 10% extra on every 5% I'm borrowing from the lender. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that'll make sense. If you're not making anything, and this is debt for debt's sake to go and buy something and it doesn't make any money for you, that's not really good debt. That's getting yourself into a real problem. What we're yeah. talking about is investing. This is what business do. This is what companies do. They borrow money to invest in capital expenditure, to invest in machinery, to invest in people, to invest in their workforce for to run the business. It's called working capital and capital expenditure. They're two different things. One's to buy assets for the company. One's to actually invest in the day-to-day running of the company. That's how they invest their debt. But they make more money in the profit that they make than the debt that they're due every month. So therefore, the differential they make is profit. That's how it works. So this shrinking of the debt in real terms has made it even more profitable by the inflation-beating history of house prices. And while interest rates are no longer historic lows, they're still away below the inflation and cheaper than they have been for almost the last 70 years. Remember, I'll say that again, while interest rates are no longer at historic lows, they're still way below inflation and cheaper than they have been for the more or less the last 70 years. You've got the compounding effect to the price of the house as well, and you've got the devaluing of the debt combined, and then the money you're generating on it as well with the rent. That's a mind-blower. Yeah, I mean, the, the compounding effect of house prices and things, Jim, is something that we've covered quite a lot in shows and, and backed it up with stats. And it's amazing. It's amazing how that does compound up. And it has done over the last, obviously, you say, like, even the last the last 70 years in comparison to inflation and things. So um, everything does a, compound. You can look at a simple thing. You can look at compounding any single thing in your society, anything you're doing day to day. I mean, typical yeah. example of a compounding effort is a, a, a runner counts to 5K. So, you know, you start off and you're, you can't run at all. You go out one day and you actually maybe run pretty pretty good and your 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 lungs and your cardiovascular system go, wait a minute, this guy's using more physical energy now. I'm going to have to grow my cardiovascular system, taking more oxygen to supply these muscles. And also we're going to have to build a respiratory system to accommodate with running and putting more strain on his body. That's how compounding works, because then you go out the next day, and once it's the cardiovascular system's built, it's bringing in more air, you can run faster, therefore it compounds again. And see how the compounding goes on, the compounding yeah. goes on, the compounding goes on, the compounding, and it builds all the way up through there. That is how compounding works, just on a basic, basic level. And it's very, very powerful. You can compound everything. Yeah, that's quite a good analogy of how it builds up and builds up uh, over time. And, and and that's the key as well, obviously, over a, a longer period of time, that's how uh, things compound up. And house prices are a, a really good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. So how does inflation affect property prices and rents then, Richard? Well, I mean, you don't need to be a, an economist to know that property prices have left the consumer price index trailing in their wake obviously and there's simply no longer a a connection and the demand of the last couple of years has seen record rises Um, however any reports uh, any reported falls in prices cause buyers to kind of hesitate 
Uh, and October's small drop was accompanied by Rightmove and Zoopla reporting a reduced demand, uh, which we've, we've covered, obviously, um, earlier in the week and things as well. And whenever fewer people are looking to buy, one thing's for sure, sure more tenants are looking for a home to rent. And that's something that I have seen uh, happening over the last few weeks and things as well. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you're absolutely right. And I've got a couple of questions here, actually. Let's take a couple of questions here. Get a couple of good ones because we've got TikTok going, we've got Instagram going, we've got all the Facebook pages, we've got YouTube going, we've got LinkedIn going as well. We've got our investors group as well. So, good morning, Angela. Good morning, Perry. And uh, Aaron on TikTok actually says to him, um, Aaron actually says, Richard, this is quite a good one. Uh, he said, um, hassle finding a decent tenant. Is it really? Not really. I think uh, obviously we've, we've come through a period where it's been really busy. We've had such a high demand uh, and, and we've got that continued demand, although things have started to uh, slow slightly. But the um, the amount of tenants that are coming forward and the the, the good tenants that we have uh, still waiting for property because obviously yeah. demand yeah. is still far outstripping what we have in supply. Um, there is a lot of good tenants out there. And I think it all boils down to that initial referencing process at the beginning uh, and doing that properly yeah. but we have no shortage of really good tenants and he goes on to say is it worth letting through a letting agency i, I would definitely recommend that and not to pitch just uh, myself why i mean let, let's put it on the spot then why yeah. why would that be the case you tell me why why i would want to let through you for example well the first and foremost is that initial process of finding the tenant is so important and if that is done incorrectly, you're going to see the knock-on effects for that right through your whole tenancy. Yeah. If you've not done the, pre the proper referencing, if you've not got somebody who's been checked from a financial aspect and from a personal aspect, we do a lot of face-to-face, -face, obviously, viewings, meeting people. We have a good um, process where we do the referencing, not just on paper. It's, it's, a, it's a very much a, a, an in-person and on-paper um, scenario uh, yeah, and it goes yeah. hand in hand in finding the perfect tenant for the the, the right property uh, if that's done incorrectly at the beginning then you've got a recipe for disaster and that's what you're like you mean, especially with the scottish legislation just now saying that you can't evict a tenant if anything goes wrong um, um under set only under certain circumstances and it's yeah. worst case scenarios in that in that degree and then you've got the freeze on uh, rents as well which is an issue um yeah. Uh, he says, what are the current letting agency fees? Well, you, you could get anything. To be honest, Aaron, I'm going to answer this one for you. You could be anything from, like, people will do 6%. It's how you could run a business in 6% is beyond me. I, I know. 6% is beyond me. And it goes up to anything like 18 20% for some people. So there's a broad spectrum in between. What you need to do is you need to balance up um, the time involved for you um, to do that yourself against the time involved to pay the letting agent to do it. Now, generally, we work out it's round about the price of a cup of coffee every single day, um, you know, to run a, a property through us. A cup of so, coffee is more know, expensive nowadays. Yeah, I know it probably is now. We're, we're only talking about £2.20, £2.50 yeah. or something like that a day uh, to have your have your property run through us. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's only, we can only talk about what we we see. Um, and, and to me, um, we talked about this before, um, when and I'll go into detail a bit detail about this was we, I had a problem with one of mine and you deal with it, Richard anyway. Now normally I would have dealt with it in the past because I've been a landlord in the very beginning for the first twenty 
maybe 25 years and then I handed it over to the letting agency division once we were built that correctly um, so I run everything myself and then when I think about it the amount of time I have to spend now is 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 not is not worth it it's classic example um I'll give you an easier scenario my wife often says to me are you going to do the ironing and I'm like okay um yes I can do the ironing but I've actually got no time at all to do anything other than probably just dedicate to the business and um, to make sure it works properly um and now okay so I know how much I can earn in the business per hour how much my worth is per hour in my yeah. business I know how much I need to pay somebody to do the ironing and it could be maybe 15 or 20 quid an hour everybody phones me up and says I'll take your ironing off you <laughs> that uh, no but I'm only giving an example here. but it could be 15 or 20 quid an hour you yeah. know I then say okay then I'll make what I make in my business if it's a lot more than that I'll then pay somebody to do the ironing with that time that I would have otherwise used because I used it in my business now therefore I'll make a profit on the differential so it's that classic example of understanding how you utilize your time if you've got all the time in the world and you've got all the time to learn all the 160 or 150 pieces of legislation governing the tenancy industry and um, then by all means be my guest crack on do it yourself but yeah. to be honest if you're trying to save 50 or 60 quid a month and you're letting agency fee on one property it's like it's a false economy because we we monitored it one time where I got one inquiry about something something wrong with one of my properties and it took almost six hours between back and forward they're trying to get access trying to get everything else trying to get the tenant to coincide with the, yeah. with, the with the contractor to just get something sorted it was that much a hassle it took about six hours to do that now six hours of my time isn't a 60 or you know even 100 quid a month that's so it's a false economy for me to go yeah. and run one letting more own properties um, and you have to wait up like that Aaron. Um, so it's not really because a lot of people actually I, well not a lot of people you get some people that just focus on fee and the phone up straight away and go what's your fees and you go something like it's 12 percent plus that oh i can get it for 10 and it's like are you going to do it for 10 and i'm like no because um, <laughs> the differential on the on the property that you've got is 400 pound for your rent so the two percent is eight quid plus that you're arguing over if you're arguing over eight pound plus VAT because somebody else could do that that cheaper, you're in the wrong business. You don't understand yeah. property investment. You don't understand compounding wealth, and you don't understand long-term legacy of passing that on to your children and your grandchildren. You don't yeah. understand it at all. If you if that's how you think, you need to think again because it's not about the fees. It's about how much return you can make over and above the fees. I just need to let the property one month quicker and you've got another 400 pound in your bank with the rent and that's what often happens between some letting agents they take a lot longer than others to do that so if another 400 pounds you're paying another eight quid plus VAT every month therefore it's going to take you a good what 20 months 30 months or something to get that 400 quid to, to, yeah. to justify that that doesn't that makes no sense at all does it it's going to take you a while to, to make that back and as a letting agent I know how much time and uh, money goes into training and making sure that we are up to scratch with legislation the knowledge and, and our skill and how to find tenants and find tenants quicker and um, thus obviously reducing occupancy uh, or increasing occupancy rates and reducing void periods for tenants uh, with, with tenants in place and that is that is what you're paying for 
And if you've if, if you've got the time in the world and you want to self-manage and do all the legislation and keep up to date, then by all means. But uh, to pay that wee bit extra for a, a letting agent who knows what they're doing and have put the time and effort and to be a, a, a successful letting agent, that's what you're paying for. Uh, sometimes when you're paying that lower fee, your letting agent maybe not up to uh, up to the job to make sure that you've got the right tenant or they're, they're keeping things uh, above board. I am quite happy just, you know, go on, go and do, use somebody else because I know they can't do it. I know it's not possible for them to do it. I know it's probably just solely on them. So when they go on holiday, you've got no service at all. You've got nobody to look after your property. You've got nothing. You've yeah. got a duty of care as a landlord. So if anything goes wrong, you better make sure you've got the right people in place. You, have, you, you pay, you get what you pay for. You pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Yeah. Right, let's go back to what you talked about. You said you don't need to be an economist to know what property prices have left the, price, the consumer price index trailing in their wake. You're absolutely right. Over yeah. the last 20 years, property prices have gone up 170%. Inflation's gone up 70%. Therefore, property has outperformed inflation in real terms by 100% yeah. doubled. There's simply no longer connection, and the demand for the last couple of years has seen record rises. That's exactly what you said. However, as you said, Richard, in reported fallen prices causes buyers to hesitate. You should never hesitate. I'm going to do a show midweek next week. Watch out for that one. Why you should be buying right now. Because if you wait for any price to come down, it could it'll probably cost you a fortune in the next one to two years. Watch out for that one o'clock on Wednesday live on all these channels: TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube and Twitter. However, as you said, a company by the right move and reporting reduced demand whenever fewer people are looking to buy. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing's for sure, more tenants are looking for a home to rent. Yeah. That's true though, isn't it? It's that relationship. When few when fewer people are looking to buy, more people are looking for tenants because they still need somewhere to live. Uh, but we've seen a historical um difference here where everybody wants to buy and everybody wants to rent at the same time. Yeah. The How last year. How's that yeah. been possible? Um, oh, thanks for asking me, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> How's that been possible, Jim? <laughs> because, oh, I'm glad you asked. Because of the successive failure of the government and the UK government and the Scottish government to build adequate housing over the long term. In the last 10 years, the Scottish government alone has missed their targets for housing to build yeah. the requirements by 40%. They're supposed to be building 25,000 houses a year. You're lucky they've even got to around about 20,000. On average, I'm sure it's around about 16 or 17,000 on average over the last 10 years. So if they're not building enough houses and their net migration is going up and people are living longer, you need more houses. Therefore, that's why you've got the perfect storm to accumulate to more buyer demand for people buying properties, more people want to rent properties because we have a expanding population now i wouldn't say a growing population i'd say an expanding population what i mean by that well what i mean is some people actually just want to live in separate houses now they want to you know that the, the it's it's acceptable now that people just don't live in the same houses anymore in a family unit they're quite happy just to live in different houses that was never thought of before because people couldn't afford to do that but now they can't afford to do that that's what's happening in our society um, people are choosing to live in bigger houses as well. For example, the OEPs, you know, they're sitting, look at, they're sitting in big, massive houses. And, uh, you know, generally they're not using three bedrooms in their houses. 
or even two bedrooms in the houses. So they're, they're inadequately housed. They should be housed in a lower number of houses. But the failure of the governments on of the industry to build adequate housing to accommodate their downsizing has left them in that size of that house. Therefore, the people that are trying to upgrade to these houses can't upgrade. Therefore, they're having to rent. That's why the perfect storm has been created. This will go on forever, by the way. This will never change. The Scottish government announced, oh, but we're going to build another 10,000 houses every year. Bullshit. If you can't build, <laughs> if you can't build 40% of what you couldn't build in the first place, where are you going to get another 10,000? Where's the people skilled enough to do that? Where's the infrastructure to do that? That's just that's just pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. I was just going to say you took the words out of my mouth. That's just yeah, pie in the sky. You have yeah. no idea. Yeah, they're going to build another ten thousand more affordable homes. We've not even got the people to build the homes we've got there now. We're not even hitting these targets, and we've got record low employment levels. We've got one point one million people chasing one point three million jobs. You've got no one, and we're not yeah. letting anybody to work in this country because of Brexit. Just, yeah, so we can't even bring people into work either. So guess what's going to happen to the property market as it goes up again? Well, guess what's going to happen to the rental market? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help people on the podcast. People don't realise that. They just listen to the rhetoric that they hear yeah. on the television and what the government's spouting out. But when you look at the fundamental facts and the underlying core, the core infrastructure of what we've got, we can't do that. We can't do these numbers. It's like The Apprentice, where the boy goes, I'm going to make a million widgets today. And people go, okay, so how many are you making an hour? He says, I can make 100 an hour. How many people have you got? I've got two. So you can make 200 an hour then. Okay, so I've got 200 an hour. How many hours in the day have you got? I've got 10 hours to work. It's like, okay, 200 an hour, 10 hours. That's 2,000 a day. So how are you going to make a million? <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So history tells us how this plays out. Landlords have less competition when looking for rental homes to buy. Sellers become more flexible in price. The simple rule of supply and demand pushes rents and yields higher. I'm just about to agree another two-bedroom flat at 50 grand. Yeah. Somebody's wanting to exit. The one I bought at 56, which is at 70,000 home report, is going through next week. Yeah. And then there's another one at 50 grand. It's like, and, and people good, are going, and people are, and, and your return on that is what, what we're getting for a two bedroom? We're getting about five. 500. So 6,000 a year for something that is 50 grand. I'm, yeah. I'm, admittedly, I'm going to have to do a full refund on it. Okay. Yeah, there's work to be done. Is, but... The point is, the return and the cash flow and the numbers absolutely make sense. And the degree of tolerance and risk is mitigated by the fact that it's probably playing out that interest rates need to go up to 15% if I was borrowing money to actually have a problem. And, and interest rates are only going to go up to 15%. And if anybody says, yes, they are, guess what? We're all going to hell in a handbasket then. We're all going. No, just me. So then I sit there and go, oh, they are, they are. It's like, you better believe. You better hope no, you're, you're you no right. Because yeah. you're coming with me as well, if that's the case. So that's what you have to understand. The risk is completely mitigated here. Before you ask, no, we haven't forgotten the increase in cost of living. So if your rental property will be empty soon or you wish to expand your portfolio, 
take a look at our previous show and podcast we've got on here as how to attract high earning professional tenants with plenty of disposable income. Yes, there is people out there. 25% of the population have less than £100 in savings in their bank. That is always going to be the case. Yeah. That has always been with us today. And we, you know, I feel completely, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say sorry for them, but I know how they feel because I've been there before. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started 30 years ago, homeless, unemployed, you know, from scratch, it's like, I've been there. I've been rating in the cigarette ashtray and doing roll-ups out of my dikes and stuff <laughs> and smoking bay leaves and tea leaves and stuff like that because I didn't have any money at all. Uh, and, and rinsing your tea bag about five or six times, I still do that, don't I? Um, I was just going to say, Jim. <laughs> it's it better than one use in a tea bag, Jim. Aye. So, and I understand that completely, and I get that completely, yeah. but there's ways of doing that. And there is cost of living shows that we've done that yeah. will actually help people on that on our playlists. Um, the so, cost of living, uh, like you say, we've not forgot about the cost of living, and that's something that's um, very relevant, obviously, in today. Um, and it's something that we take into consideration a lot when we're talking about things, I and mean, when we're speaking to tenants and speaking to landlords. Um, and like you say, we've done we've done a few shows on it. How does inflation <laughs> affect savings and investments then? Well, as property as properties fell in value during the recession of, say, like around the 1990s and the 2000s, landlords swooped in and scooped them up and took that advantage of that opportunity. That's because bricks and mortar is a unique type of investment. Um, what other uh, assets let uh, let you tweak and upgrade as the market evolves and it's always in demand. Property will always be in demand, and, and that's never going to change. Um, so I think if you're wondering where to put your money, um, let's look at some of the differences between savings and shares and property, Jim. Um, so firstly, I think savings accounts are ideal for a rainy day safety net, uh, but your money will reduce in value if the interest rates uh, are lower than the rate of inflation. And the best way to look for savings rates is money saving expert Martin Lewis will tell you yep. day in, day out, the best savings rates to get in the best accounts. He's yep. actually recommending now that you actually get rid of your cash ISA um, because it's too restrictive in comparison to what you're getting because you're getting a better return, if not a similar return, in a normal instant access savings account because your first £1,000 in interest is actually tax-free under the personal savings allowance. Yeah. What other yes. ones? Um, shares shares can offer um, an exhilarating return in times of high inflation. Um, so um, they are extremely volatile, um, so be careful. And companies can be wiped out alarmingly fast if the economy does dip. So that's uh, something to be, to be honest, Richard, I'll cover this again about shares. And yes, we, we I know we've said that for our, our, like, oh, shares can go up as well as down. Yeah. But the reality is if you've got a good fund manager, um, and they've got a good spread of stocks, yeah. um, which are constant good returns or yielders. Uh, and I mean people like Diageo. I mean people like uh, um, you've got the Tesco's, you've got the Asda's. Well, that's Walmart, and I don't Walmart yeah. are American, uh, but Asda's to, is Walmart. It's yeah. like um, I. Te- so you've got Tesco's, you've got you've got all the you've got all the the good ones. You've got Pfizer, you've got Galaxo, yeah. you've got all the pension. Um, um, ready reckoners, you know, the ones that the pension companies go for. You, it, that's that's a good spread of yeah. good, high-quality stocks. Now, the stocks can go down, yes, but again, I come back to saying, if you're holding them for the long term, 
it makes no difference because all you're interested in is the yield it gives you every year. Now, the FTSE 100 of the, over all the last 20 years has produced a yield every year of 4.5%. Now, that's just in the amount of dividends that have actually given out. That's not the increase in the value. It's just 4.5%. So if you want a steady income and a steady cash flow coming in every time um, for, for a pension or retirement, then, you know, go on with one of the, one of the, you know, the blue chip. I'm talking about blue chip. I'm talking about standard life. I'm talking about Scottish widows. I'm talking about Prudential. I'm talking about people like that that are a really good track record in investments um, for people. And, and you know, airy-fairy pie-in-the-sky stuff about, you know, I'm going to invest in crypto. Notice we've never heard a word about crypto for the last three months yeah. because FTX has actually bombed and people have lost millions of pounds. Yeah. I told you it was gambling. It's like it's just gambling and speculation. And crypto will crypto will disappear. I'll be honest. They're talking about digital currencies and that. And and I'll divert the now and I'll say crypto will disappear. Uh, that you know, money in your hand is a good exchange and it works very very well as well as your card and the money in your bank. Yeah. I don't see the need to have crypto to do anything other than that. And people that hail it as the best invention ever, it's like. Aye, that's okay, but you're talking about the difference between Betamax and VHS. Mm-hmm. Betamax was the technically the better, but VHS was universally accepted because it was easier to operate and it was easier, easier to use and easier to record on. You know, that's the difference. VHS 2000, Philips's version. Compact disc is no longer here for digital downloads. And technology evolves, but does currency really need to do that? If you've got your card, you just walk up, you just swipe it, and that's it, done. Yeah. Why would you need to have digital currency in that in that concept? Oh, we yeah. need to be a universal currency overall, and digital currency will do that. Well, that's called the dollar and the euro. And it's like, we don't want to become a part of these currencies, so therefore, why would we go and adopt a digital currency then to be universally accepted by everybody else? That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Anyway. I, I am a bit sceptical of digital currency and crypto and things, but I mean... Um, in terms of property, I mean, property can fluctuate in value, but it's far less vo- volatile than the stock market, yeah. um, as we were speaking about stocks there. And uh, it can't simply disappear overnight. Um, and having a home is everybody's priority and number one thing. And that's of why property everybody needs a roof over their head. Yeah, and that's why, as I say, obviously, uh, bricks and mortar, it's never gonna, the, that's never going to change. Um, so for every investor, it's a matter of weighing up what feels right for you between risk, return, and stability? Uh, and most of our landlords invest in property because it's a way for them to balance all three. And uh, this is a good one, actually, Richard. Um, um, are you seeing any particular type of property that tenants are actually seeking? Same with the tax or that? Perry's that is a good question. I mean, for a while there, we've seen a, a big um, an influx in people looking for two and three bedroom houses. But what I've started to see now is a higher interest in flats and apartments, flats, apartments, whatever you want to call it. So do you know what I mean? That's coming. And that is, uh, there's a few factors. Uh, cost of living is one of the things that are, is pushing that because they're more affordable. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, flats are on uh, the way back. But I mean, across the spectrum of properties, we still have a high demand at the moment. Uh, houses, flats and things, but flats are definitely creeping back in there. Flats it's generally, is it generally only seen in a time of, oversupply of rental property that flats then are, are um do do not as well yes and, and yeah. people tend to go for then houses because there's there's obviously there's a there's a oversupply, property available yeah and they become more affordable because the oversupply 
Um, but generally, you know, as you said, because of the undersupply just now and the fact that the cost of living yeah, um, is getting of living a lot higher, yeah. people are actually trimming their budgets and thinking they really need a bigger, Definitely. you know, a, a room this size. They really yeah. need, you know, a, 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 a house this size. Um, yeah, they really need that extra room that I have to heat all the time. Yeah, they really you're going to have house, to say, that house is going to be in a higher council tax band than the, the apartment. It's in a lower council tax band. You know, these are all the things that people are now, and it's all the wee compounding effects yeah. of of the different decisions about what you can do, and it could save you almost maybe one or two hundred pounds a month just by yeah. having the right the right house. And in the long term, like you say, saving on, I mean, an, a flat or an apartment is going to be less to heat. Uh, you're going to, your council tax, everything like you just saved there, Jim, and that over a longer period of time is going to rec- uh, reduce your outgoings uh, significantly. Yeah. And that's what people are thinking about now and should be, obviously, because we're in this this time where the cost of living is, is a cost of living crisis at the moment. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's why I've taken the decision every single time when I'm buying new property now just to put a new heating system in if it's got an old one in. I don't, I don't it's a false economy because... Um, initially you put the heating system in it's nice and efficient it's about 96 percent efficient so for every pound that you spend you're getting 96 pence worth of uh, you know efficiency and heating out rather than just four percent you're losing whereas mm-hmm. uh, an old box of boiler is 55 percent. so for every pound you're spending you're only getting 55 pence worth of heating 45 pence is going up the flue or it's yeah. or it's just burning and um, it's not doing anything and uh, you're wasting that so that's why i've taken the decision to do that straight away rather than actually wait because because it's a false economy. Um, when when it, it's investing in the future of the property, investing in the future of your stock, because further down the line, um, if, if Nicola Sturgeon or anybody else wants to listen out there, by the way, about investing in your housing stock, um, you're more than welcome. I'm, I'm available on a consultancy fee. Um, so I'm, in, I'm putting the money in now in order to yeah. reap the benefits maybe 10 or 20 years down the road because I can see the writing on the wall and yeah. I can see it happening in that trend that the fact that everything's going to have to be energy efficient to make sure that people are actually having lower bills. Therefore, they'll more than likely choose your property in the years to come than someone else's because it's less energy efficient and it costs more to run. Yeah, I mean, tenants are really aware of... Uh, the energy efficiency at home now because they know in turn it's going to either save them money or or, or, or cost them more. Um, yeah. I think Angela's just chipped in there with quite a good point. Angela does obviously frontline lettings. People are more aware of their maximum budget for rent now taking into account utility bills and council tax and people are very aware of what they're spending now and, and we see that uh, coming through on a daily basis. So I'm going to ask a question for myself. How does inflation affect landlords costs then mm-hmm. okay let's look at this everything okay. gets more expensive when inflation increases there's no doubt about that from labor and services to goods and materials um so it's a wise precaution to review your rental property for any up and coming expenses to see if it can if you can deal with them now before the costs go up yeah here's the classic case in point you know this is this is a this is actually a really good one as well because this is what i talk about the heating system the heating yeah. system i'm buying now is maybe going to be 10 percent more in the year to come so i'm actually saving money by investing in it now but i'm also getting a better tenant probably a higher rental value as well as opposed to my left old heating system in there and then i'm going to have the disruption to the tenant maybe a year down the line if they're still staying in there to say look i've got to change the heating system and then it's like i've now got to disrupt the tenant i've got to put a new heating system in. i've then got to strap and board the the fireplace and then got to decorate the house again and it's like that's a false economy yeah hopefully the governments are listening 
I'm available on a consultancy fee, by the way. <laughs> Just staring the pot. <laughs> by the way, I've got no grievance against any political party as such. It's just that this party seems to be in power right now, so they need to be held accountable for what they're doing. Yeah. If it was any other party, I'd still be doing the same with them. Um, so I don't particularly align with any particular party. It's just the very fact that they have to be accountable for their actions or their non-actions, their failure to long-term plan. So with the costs going up, to deal with them right now, um, things to look at is minor repairs that could turn into bigger, costlier problems. And we're probably talking about things like roofs, aren't we, Richard? Yeah. Roofs, and even if it, I mean, if it's just a slip tile, or maybe the, the garden's uh, over overgrown, or maybe a, a loose um, at the join. Do you know what I mean? They're just simple repairs. But if they're left, they could they could turn into a really costly costly repair. I'll tell you my first lesson when I bought my first property, I actually had a roofer and it was a slip tile. It was coming into the um shower room and it was coming in through the you know the pipe that goes up for the um um the fan to, yeah. to let the vent because it was above the it was above the actual shower, shower unit shower itself. Yeah. It was above the shower unit. It was going up through and it was going up there, but there was a leak around about the seal. Now, because of the weather and because of the circumstances, I couldn't get that roofer out and they just couldn't get up to do it and sort it. And that ended up turning out, just a simple ceiling uh, on it was actually ended up turning at £700 in repairs. Now, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. That was a lot of money at that time. Yeah. That was that was a huge hit um, to my bills. But if I'd been able to get up there and get it sorted straight away, it would have been fine. But it did take a huge toll and, and it was £700 worth of bills. And this is why I say get the minor repairs done because they could lead to bigger costlier problems. You should actually have an active strategy of phoning your tenants every quarter, even though you're yep. not doing inspections, to make sure that everything's okay. You'd be surprised how many tenants that I used to visit, um, you know, just to make sure, it's, you know, are you okay? Everything going all right? And the next minute I go, I've got a list of stuff I need you to do. And it's like, yeah. okay, did you never think about phoning me at any point in time? Uh, well, I just thought I'd wait for you to come round again. And it's like, yeah, so and when did you when did you know about this? And then they would say, well, it was about three months ago. And I go, so okay, so it's sitting at a big huge damp patch in the top corner. Three months ago, how big was that? Oh, it was a lot weirder than that. I says, do you know think you could have phoned me three months ago and I could have sorted that then? So yeah. prevention is better than cure, and Definitely. make sure your minor repairs don't turn into bigger costly problems by by keeping in touch with your tenants. You're not there to browbeat them. You're not there to harass no. them. You're there to just make sure everything's okay and they're in a better position. So this leads me on to the next one about essential maintenance works and safety checks for gas, electricity, and smoke alarms. How essential is this, Richard? That's extremely essential. I mean, the safety certificates and compliance uh, side of lettings is um, it's never been so. Um, it's quite. Um, it's quite expansive at the moment, yeah. the, the, the amount of things. And that's that's one of the things we talk about, having a letting agent who's in the know and knows, right, you need this, you need this, and you need this. Uh, and that is, your, first and foremost, your gas safety and smoke alarms and your electricity certificate that goes with uh, with that as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's imperative that you have that. Without that, you are essentially breaking the law. And you're putting your tenant at risk and you have a duty of care that you're a landlord agent um, for your tenant, uh, that they are living in a property that's compliant and safe. 
I've literally gobsmacked the amount of properties I've actually gone round, including council houses, where yep. the actual the smoke detectors and the the gas safety certificates are not even compliant with the legislation, yep. and they're actually breaking the law. It's amazing how many um, even local authorities do that, um, and they don't realise because they don't have a consistent uh, policy of making sure it's perpetual. Uh, they mustn't have a system somewhere. It's it, it, the reason that happens. Uh, so I'm actually a lot of people actually classic example like what you said is the smoke alarms. They think it would, just because they've got a smoke alarm downstairs and a smoke alarm upstairs in the hall, they're complying. They're not. You're supposed to have a smoke alarm in every single reception room. So in other words, a usable yeah. room. And then up and downstairs on landings, if you've got them in the hall. And then also a heat detector in your kitchen. And yeah. they all have to be interlinked. So if one of them goes off in one room, it sets every, every single other one off as a result of that. That is the compliant legislation right now for smoke alarms. Yeah. Electricity certificates have to be signed off by a proper approved electricity professional contractor. Yeah, it's on the select registry. Uh, uh, and most of what, most will last five years, uh, and then you have to renew it after the five years, and the stringent safety checks go up and up every single time. Gas safe every year, eh? Yeah, your gas, your gas safety certificate needs to be done annually. You need to catch that ideally before I mean, not the week after it runs out, oh, I better get that done. Because technically for yeah, that week yeah. and then until it's done, you don't have a valid gas certificate on the property. And if the inevitable was to happen, you are not covered from um, the, the aspect of having a safety certificate in place. And you could you could put yourself and your tenant at a, a lot of risk eh, financially and obviously the, the yeah. tenant's physical, obviously. Okay, um, so yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll talk about the inevitable. If somebody dies as a result yeah. of carbon monoxide poisoning, um, and you do not have a gas safe certificate in place and it's not valid, you will go to jail for corporate manslaughter. Yes. It's it's an it's it's a criminal activity for not to have your gas safe certificate. So you have to make sure you have that and it has to be in place all the time. It is not your letting agent's responsibility. Ultimately, as the landlord, it falls back to you. So if you say, if you've passed it on to your letting agent and says, well, if they don't get it done, it's their fault. I'm afraid it's not. It comes back to you as the landlord. You are the culpable person because it's your yeah. responsibility as a landlord. So you have to make sure you've got the right letting agent. Plans for upgrades, including appliances, fittings, and decorations of refurbishments is also things to look out for. So yeah. as I said, if you're thinking about upgrading, if you've just bought and you think, oh, the, the, the heating system will last another year, it's like you maybe better do it now because of the disruption it'll cause. If your kitchen is due to be replaced, you better probably just do it now because of the disruption it'll cost. Um, you might want to wait a year, I don't know. If there is a recession looming, people go out of job, therefore prices might actually come down, you might get a better for a rate, a better rate. You never know. But then you're speculating. So I'm not a big speculator. I like certainty. And if my numbers work, it's yes. like, okay, let's get it done. Because um, if it goes the other way and the market booms again, like it did in the pandemic, by the way, um, then you're on, you're in between a rock and a hard place because it's got even worse for you. Make sure insurance policies for your building, your contents, and your legal cover, and also possibly consider rent protection. Um, now, the reason I say that is, and make sure it covers you for certain types of tenure. Make sure your insurance policy covers you for student loans. What else, Richard? Your insurance policies, obviously, it depends. Um, 
query, you, you obviously look for your insurance policy, but there's a lot of different versions out there. And some people just think, all right, okay, my insurance, and don't look at the small print of what they're actually covered for. And like you say, in any inevitability, you need to be covered. And like you say, it should cover you for student lets, obviously your, your residential, your li from a liability aspect as being a landlord and having residents in your property. Um, you need to really, I mean, I'm not going to say spend a long time um, dealing with insurance, but make sure you've got the right insurance in place. And speaking to a decent broker, and I could recommend a, a few, um, as as imperative to have yeah. that in place. Yeah. Well, classic well, example is quite a lot of insurance policies don't cover you for people on tax benefits. And yeah. Benefits, yeah. Yeah. Seen that, seen or that happen before. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and if they turn up and you're wanting to claim and they find out they're on benefits, um, and uh, and you go you look to claim uh, they'll just they'll ignore the claim. We've we've had it before where somebody had to yeah. pay twenty five thousand out because it was a lot of, it was a lot of money <laughs> was against a lot of money. our against our advice. We said yeah. check the small print. They didn't check the small print and it came back to haunt them. Yeah. Make sure you're also covered for your property when it's empty. Um, yes. Some insurance policies only cover you up to thirty days. Some other insurance policies will cover you up to ninety days or sixty days for an empty property. So there's all these different differences in insurance policy will cover, and that's why they have a cheaper rate. This is coming back to, oh, will you do it for 8% instead of 12%? Yes, I was going to say that. It's the same thing. You get what you, you pay, pay for. Peanut, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. So depending on the, the property and plans, the savings can seriously mount up by taking a proactive approach and getting ahead of further price increases. What's the next step that anybody should do, Richard? And we'll, round, we'll finish off here. I mean, regardless of the economic climates, uh, demand for rental homes uh, as consistently exceeds uh, supply and assures that uh, the status as long-term investments. Um, and and that's, that is basically, I mean, long-term investments with property as, as safe as houses, as we've said yeah. before. Effectively, as it has been for the last 30 years for me, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't continue to be like that. I don't see any indicators which will tell me otherwise. Um, I'll just briefly cover... Um, I think I've got an article here which I actually covered and I've still got this, some of the key points about property investment so people understand where we're coming from in terms of the yeah. housing market. Um, so this is my key indicators here. Um, yes, house prices will probably be low in the next 24 months, um, but significantly more people don't have a mortgage as opposed to the 2008 credit crunch, which is 56% of people are actually shielded against interest rates. 17 out of 20 homeowners and cut payment mortgages mean they'll have more equity in the property. So negative equity won't be an issue as before. Um, we're still relatively extremely low interest rates in comparison to other periods. 17 out of 20 people actually have homeowners on fixed long-term fixed rate interest rates at an average of 2.14%. Yes, they will come out at some point in time, but if it's coming out soon, you should maybe consider actually getting a new fixed rate now and just paying the penalty. Because over five years, it might be better off. That's another conversation. Home buyers have been stress-tested at 6 and 7% mortgages since 2014, which means we'll not see significant amount of houses dumped onto the market. There's still over 5,000 mortgage products available, starting from 2.95%, and the availability of credit is still there. One in five people rent. If interest rate rises don't affect them at all. That's 20% of the market. So the rent freeze in Scotland, they've got until March 2023, so they won't be affected in rent increases. UK unemployment is still at record low rate, put my teeth back in, of 3.5%, meaning people are working, more people are working in than ever before. Economic conditions surrounding the previous house price crashes are now no longer there. Yes, inflation is extremely high, 
but I believe that subject to nothing seismic happening in the world, the property prices will broadly stay neutral and slowly drift downwards over the next 24 months, which will equate to 4 or 6% in the next couple of years. Um, so basically, we're going back to the property prices of September 2021. Yeah. No danger there. And so I don't see anything happening dramatically, and the rental market will still sustain these prices as well. Uh, and that's it, guys. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the show, Richard. Thanks for taking part. And if anybody's got any questions after that, uh, feel free to ask. And uh, until next time, guys, it's bye-bye from us. See you later. And it's bye-bye.